Hi everyone, I hope you're having a great long weekend. Welcome to chapter three of The Longest Memory. Please have your novels open, ready to follow along, and also your workbooks so you're able to take down our annotations and analysis. If you have any questions during this podcast and reading of chapter three, please email me or write them in your workbook and ask in class. As we can see with chapter three, Sanders Senior is our narrator. Chapter three is written uh, as a series of diary entries. And we're gonna hear from Sanders Senior, who's a representation of the deep south. His voice is a representation of the deep south. We're gonna see through these diary entries that memory can be both a positive and negative force. January 12th, 1796. My wife, God bless her soul, appeared in a dream and stated categorically that I had her permission to marry another. There is no other. There is no woman who walks this earth noble enough to take her place. None. I am bored with ordering disgruntled slaves around. I am bored without my wife. My son is a treasure, but he is not enough. What I'd like you to note down is that Sanders Senior's wife has died quite early on. Now we know that Sanders Senior's son is Sanders Junior. And we found out in the previous chapter, Sanders Junior is the half brother of Chapel and whipped Chapel to death with 200 lashes. Currently, from these past diary entries, we know that Sanders Senior is the overseer at Mr. Whitechapel's plantation. January 20th, 1796. My son asked how his mother died. Is it time he knew? I told him her memory was too sacred to me to discuss her death. From his contorted face, he seemed more confused than anything. One day soon. Feb. First. Who cares about my loneliness these last five years? No one. Well, God, not enough. My son is a limited comfort. He has a way of looking up from his plate and capturing, fleetingly, his mother's look. The day was cold beyond measure, and the slaves full of tricks to evade their journeys, duties. Can we highlight slaves full of tricks to evade their duties? We see now for the first time Sanders Senior's view of slaves, uh, currently assuming that they're rebellious and disobedient. Had it not been for the cold, I would have unfolded my arms more often and swung my stick on the back of their lazy legs with force. Might have warmed me up a fraction. Feb 9th, Whitechapel, so the oldest slave, Whitechapel made a fascinating knot with a leather, which when pulled, untangled. He's by far the best worker and he has the most agreeable manner. He also knows what it is to lose a wife. And so Sanders Senior is referring to Whitechapel's first wife. Feb 16th, my wife's name was on my lips. Caroline, I said, so loudly I woke myself. Feb 23rd, argued with Mr. Whitechapel about the treatment of his slaves. He thinks I'm too severe with them. I would have kept my peace, but he just told me that he did not want my boy running around his house 
because his daughter was being distracted. She's two for God's sake. They play together. March 1st. My son asked if his mother was in heaven. I answered with a resounding yes. Yes, I said. There is no other place for her if she can't be with us. He is thoughtful. March 8th. Rations of slaves to be increased along with one extra break in the afternoon following an inspection by the master of the Whitechapel plantation. Cock-a-doodle-doo, he said. They looked thin. What good is a fat slave to anyone but himself? Mr. Whitechapel, you are wrong, sir. Highlight the next statement. Cattle need fattening, not slaves. Another example of zoomorphism, animal imagery. This horrific view, really dehumanising view of slaves by Sanders Sr. March 15th. Whitechapel asked if my son was going to do my line of work. I was adamant that he was not. Really interesting. Sanders Sr. When speaking to Whitechapel, when Sanders Jr. is, you know, a five-year-old boy, um, suggested that his son would never become an overseer like him. But we know for a fact that he does. I think my vehemence startled him. He took a step back and showed more white in his eyes than when he smiles. Should I explain my meaning? No, not to a slave. However amiable. March 25th. Two of the older women's slaves have died from fever. I am only the chief overseer here, but I think it is the overfeeding that did it. They will have to be replaced with at least one new girl. Mr. Whitechapel is in complete agreement for once. Mark a day next Tuesday. We'll choose a girl of about 15. March 30th. I was holding Caroline in my arms. There was nothing to distinguish waking from sleeping. This has got to stop. I feel worse in the morning than if I'd drank a barrel of beer, a barrel of beer, a barrel of beer. April 5th. I think our new girl is really a woman. I mean, she must be at least 22. Granted, she works well, has adjusted well to her new home. The others seem to like her. She's kind to my son. He likes her almost as Whitechapel does. So now, Cook is introduced. Whitechapel's second wife and the mother of Chapel. April 12th. I told my son that we are different from slaves in intelligence and human standing before God. Can we please highlight that quote? Because we see these biblical references, these religious allusions once more, and a justification given by Sanders Sr., who is now teaching Sanders Jr. his view of slaves. And his view is that God has created slaves to be less intelligent and less human before God. My son asked why Whitechapel could do a knot that I couldn't do. His first joke, not a bad one. I said doing things like that was not a proper measure of intelligence. Highlight the next quote, very important. Then he asked why they were dark and we were bright. His word bright. We're seeing now the first hand effects of generational racism. This learned attitude. And we see now a juxtaposition between Sanders Jr., 
who as a young child is quite innocent. You know, he jokingly says to his father, Sanders Jr., you know, if slaves are not as intelligent as us, why can Whitechapel, the head slave, do something that you cannot do, father? And yet it is now Sanders Sr. teaching him that they're less bright. And we see this juxtaposition between Sanders Sr., who is immoral, teaching Sanders Jr., who is innocent, generational racism. And the effects of racial prejudice is clear. We know that Sanders Sr. is unable to authentically engage with slaves. And this happens with Sanders Jr. as well in the future. April 19th. We could also say, just, just while we're on it, this notion of dark and bright is again another motif of darkness and light and how it's used by the author to convey the character's attitudes and learned behaviours. April 19th. My old cook is ill. The new girl who insists she is 15 made a better meal than that old witch ever scrambled in a pot. Might trade in my old model for this new one. Can we highlight that quote? Might try to trade in my old model for this new one. Again, highlighting how Sanders Senior and those in authority and power in society um, view slaves as property and things to own and discard and not as human. Another clear example of the dehumanization process that slaves have suffered for centuries. See what Mr. Whitechapel says? It would mean buying another girl for the fields. Good cooks are hard to come by. Must be careful not to overemphasize her abilities as a cook. Otherwise, he will want her up at his house. May 2nd. My son again asked how his mother died. I said she stopped breathing because God had better work for her to do in heaven. He repeated his how. I made him eat up. I was late for the cotton harvest. May 9th. Am I wrong to look at a slave girl and feel like a man for the first time in five years? I must be desperate. I need a woman. May 26th. I told the girl she was to be my cook and care for my son. She seemed pleased as any slave would be to leave the fields. June 4th. Whitechapel has struck up quite a friendship with my cook, the old dog. Twelve daughters to his name. Little wonder his poor wife died. Forgive me, Caroline, but it is true. The man should keep his breeches on, which is like pants. July 6th. The last weeks have been long days with barely time to eat, wash and sleep. My son is in good hands with this cook. Whitechapel must see her as another of his daughters, surely. He is kind. The best of the plantation stock. Highlight the best of the plantation stock. Again, referring to Whitechapel um, as stock, as animal, as property. July 22nd. I had occasion to beat a slave for indolence. Just my luck that Mr. Whitechapel saw me as I buted the scoundrel. He took me aside and ordered me to exercise restraint. He said I was never to use my feet or fists on a slave again, only the whip or stick. He'll be rewarding them next. August 1st. Today is my son's birthday. He's six. It is also the anniversary of Caroline's death. May God rest her soul. Grumpy all day cook baked. The house was perfumed with the smell of baking all evening. Only Caroline baked like that. What's really interesting about this diary entry is that we see a binary opposition created between birth and death. 
So as Sanders Jr. was born, Caroline died. And we can see a clear shift in Sanders Sr. when that occurred. August 12th. This cook is definitely a woman. Whitechapel does not see a daughter in her. 22 or higher. We see now um, this really disgusting and horrific nature come become apparent in Sanders Sr. He's trying to justify to himself that Cook seems older than 15 because he's becoming attracted to her. August 24th. Whitechapel has asked Mr. Whitechapel if he can marry my Cook. Damn it. Now she'll be with child for him and nursing an infant and not half as useful to my household. Petulant bastard. August 30th. What does Whitechapel want with a wife? Twelve daughters is enough for one man. Several men. Use one of them for comfort. Disgusting. Again, um, what has just been suggested by Sanders Sr. And again, highlighting and portraying his view, his very narrow-minded and dehumanized view of slaves is that why is Whitechapel interested in Cook, right? He has 12 daughters. He can sleep with any one of them. Again, he sees slaves as less human, as something similar to, to animals. Not unheard of. Permission was granted by Mr. Whitechapel. Their marriage ceremony is fixed for Sunday on the next convenient rest day since there is much to do. Mr. Whitechapel will bless the marriage. A passage from the Bible and a smile. September 5th. My son said Cook made him cry when she said his mother would not come back to life. I told him that was not strictly true. He would join his mother in heaven one day. I told Cook to stick to her duties and avoid answering questions she knew nothing about. September 9th. Whitechapel taught my son how to jump into the air and click his heels. He was hopping between steps and doing the same thing with maddening regularity, so I forbade him to do it in the house. Whitechapel, oh wise one, teach him how to stand still on one leg like a stick insect. September 16th. Must stop noticing the cook when she crosses a room. She must notice me noticing her, although I haven't noticed her noticing me noticing her. September 23rd. Caroline was in a room with a crowd of women. I was the only man. I had my way with them all. Cook was among them. She was as sweet as the rest of them. A good night. October 2nd. Marriage postponed again, this time until I find another cook. When I told Whitechapel, his smile did not even quiver. Noble. Noble. October 12th. Not a good stock at the market. Women who lied about their ages to pass as girls. No girls passing as women. Mr. Whitechapel said something on the ride back about the clamour of the abolitionists reaching new heights. I said on the plantation of Mr. Whitechapel it was a far-off din on account of his contented slaves. He liked this lot and laughed hard and long. It was funny, but not that funny. October 19th. I invited Cook into my bedroom on a false pretext that there were dishes in there to be removed. She rushed in and out before I could rise from the chair. She seemed to be smiling. November 2nd. My son again asked how his mother died. I said he would know everything when he was seven. He asked why seven. I replied he asked too many hows and whys. Evidently this was not satisfactory. He jumped into the air and clicked his heels twice. Once for how and once for why. November 10th. 
My son said he wanted to be an overseer when he grew up because Cook said overseers were well rewarded and highly respected. I waited for him to settle in bed and summoned her before me. I reminded her about our talk concerning my son's queries. She was ready to answer. I slapped her. She sobbed like a child. I held her. Perhaps she is 15. I pushed her from me when I felt my loins swelling. Could not sleep. November 17. Whitechapel asked how the search for a cook to replace his wife-to-be was progressing. I asked him if he thought he could do a better job of finding the appropriate slave to match the needs of the plantation. His smile stayed the same. Again, we see Whitechapel quite obedient and loyal. December 15. Christmas is around the corner. Caroline loved this time of year. I don't anymore. Uh, Just a quick uh, warning that the next diary entry um, is uh, when Sanders Senior uh, rapes Cook. So please feel free to skip this. Um, But a fair warning that it is quite a uh, horrific and disturbing scene. December 24th. Cook was around longer than usual. I could not concentrate on anything my eyes fell upon in the Virginian since I was listening to her about the house. After she put my boy to bed, I waited for her to pass my door, grabbed her arm, covered her mouth and dragged her to my bed. I told her if she made a noise, she would soon be dead. I was inside her and done before I'd properly begun. It has been too long. I was lying on her when her sobs brought me to my senses. I said she could have whatever she wanted from my wife's closet in return for her silence. She asked to be allowed to marry Whitechapel right away or she would tell both the master and Whitechapel who would first kill me and then himself. What's interesting um, is how Whitechapel tries to bribe, sorry, Sanders Sr. tries to bribe Cook with his dead wife's clothing and tries to silence her with Caroline's dresses. December 25th, Cook is at her quarters. Dinner at the main house with Mr. Whitechapel and his family was splendid. His wife and three children made me envious, my wife and maybe a child or two more. Should I find a wife, Mr. Whitechapel wondered. We all laughed it off. Whitechapel, kill me, sure. January 1st, Whitechapel married Cook today, a big affair for the slaves. He has more blood in Mr. Whitechapel's stock of slaves than there are slaves unrelated to each other. What if they turned against us all? January 6th. Cook asked to be returned to the fields. I refused. I asked her if she has told anyone. She said no, not even her husband. I was relieved, but hid that as much as I could. I reminded her that my wife's closet was at her disposal. She said she would never step into a dead woman's shoes. January 9th. Again, another warning. This is the second time that Sanders Senior will rape Cook, the second and final time. I grabbed Cook and pulled her into my room. She fought so much that both of our clothes were torn. She bit my hand. I was an inch away from cuffing her squarely on the jaw. I resorted to choking her until she virtually went into a faint. She was a statue for the duration of what I don't really know since I did not enjoy myself so much as relieve myself. She cried. I promised it would not happen again. January 10th. Early morning, I was woken by Whitechapel, Cook, and Mr. Whitechapel himself. I knew their business. 
For a moment, I considered denying everything. My word against theirs. The word of a white man is worth that of how many slaves? But Mr. Whitechapel had that look I saw in his face when he came over to reprimand me for booting that lazy slave. Not a look of inquiry, but of resolve. I thought better of lying. Mr. Whitechapel said he would find me. He said I should spare him the sordid details and weak excuses. He said a condition of my staying on his plantation would be that I apologise right away to the afflicted parties. He said parties. The girl was one thing but Whitechapel. Mr. Whitechapel repeated his condition. I apologise to Whitechapel and Cook. Mr. Whitechapel said I would have to find myself another cook, a male. They walked away and left me standing at my door. I should have cuffed her. January 11th. Mr. Whitechapel summoned me to his house. Upon my arrival, I found Whitechapel, Cook and Mr. Whitechapel together. Cook revealed to them that she and I were intimate once before the last time and that incident robbed her of her chastity. Whitechapel claims he had not touched her before their wedding. Whitechapel was not smiling. January 14th. More discussions with Mr. Whitechapel and Whitechapel concerning Cook. Whitechapel, it seems, wants to give her up, but was persuaded by Mr. Whitechapel to wait. February 10th. What should happen to a woman on a monthly basis has not happened to Cook. So Sanders Senior is referring to Cook's menstrual cycle, that she is now pregnant. I hope Whitechapel's fusidity prevails over mine. Mr. Whitechapel said if she is with child, supposing there is a child, it is likely to be mine since the marriage was consummated between Cook's two incidents with me. February 17th, another meeting with Whitechapel, Cook and Mr. Whitechapel. My fine has been doubled on account of Cook's pregnancy. Whitechapel says Cook is his wife. Whatever the outcome, he loves her. Everyone has been sworn to secrecy by Mr. Whitechapel. March 2nd. What do I say to my son? Your mother died in unusual circumstances. God blessed her with many faculties, among them beauty, grace, humour, a head for figures, but not much strength. She died when... I can't do it. March 10th. When he is a grown man, I will tell him what he needs to know. March 17th. I imagine Cook looks big-bellied already. Not twins, I hope. God, let it be white chapels. Otherwise, I shall have to leave this plantation. Contract or no. Let the child be dark like his mother. April 1st. Caroline has risen from the dead. Cook is not pregnant, just an extreme case of gas. My son wants to be a scientist or a philosopher, even a poet. Ha ha ha. April 20th. Today, Whitechapel was congratulated on the expectation of his child by a visitor to the main house, who has for years been offering Mr. Whitechapel gross sums of money for the slave. The man hoped Whitechapel would be blessed with a strapping son. Whitechapel's smile was broad and I think genuine. April 29th. My son recognises some words on a page. He will read soon if he mixes a little with Mr. Whitechapel's daughter, who is a proper little miss, and as we know, this is Lydia. They play together at the front of the house before dusk. She has taught him counting games and rhymes, which have taken the place of the usual slave songs he strains to memorise. May 3rd. The slaves are never satisfied. If they are not complaining about the cold in their quarters, it is the wet. I had to raise my stick to several of them. 
they would have been better off getting my boot up their rump instead of welts on their arms and legs. May 12th. The whole week has been taken up with the talk about the runaway. He left before dawn three days ago. Whitechapel was interviewed on several occasions by Mr. Whitechapel. All privileges have been withdrawn from the slaves and no one is allowed to out of their quarters at night. The nights are long, the slaves are miserable and many of them curse the day that runaway was born. Mr. Whitechapel has placed a notice in the newspaper, the Virginian, with a good description and a substantial reward. I could do with that. If he comes back, he will be punished. There is a lot of this mischief about. May 27th. The runaway is back. It transpires he was hiding in an abandoned cottage a few miles north of here, waiting for a group of other runaways heading north, but they did not materialise. He just walked back through the main gates, looking haggard and hungry. A shame he did not allow someone to grab him a few miles out and get that reward. He got 200 lashes. I administered half, my second the rest. His back was raw. He had to be revived twice from a dead faint. All were present and seemed suitably appalled and discouraged from imitating him. Mr. Whitechapel gave a rousing speech about leniency and loyalty. He got the slaves to promise an end to further attempts at escape. In return, he restored their privileges right away. There was celebration well into the night. His two sons were present. One was visible grey from the whole proceedings. The other, more stalwart. June 4th. That slave who was whipped caught a fever and died. Mr. Whitechapel inquired whether it was his wounds that caused his death. I said no. Apparently Whitechapel, lately changed from slave to physician, had said not fever, fever, but the whip killed the runaway. Again, we see the symbol of the whip and how it signifies racial violence and how the overseer and the plantation owners and the masters use this power to control July 4th, a day full of embarrassments, Cook parading with her awful big belly, Whitechapel with those knowing looks of his and that damn smile, my son reminding me that I would tell him about his mother on his birthday in less than a month. July 20th, Mr. Whitechapel said he had found a match for me from a plantation south of here. I met the toothless, palsied hag who claims she's 30 years, but must be 50 to the day. So Mr. Whitechapel is finding a wife for Sanders Senior. July 26th. Had a nightmare that I was betrothed to that hag from last week. Could not get back to sleep. Read from the good book to calm my distressed spirits. August 1st. I told my son he was big enough to learn that his mother died when he was born. He asked how old he was. I said but a few minutes. He cried all day. I should not have told him. Caroline, forgive me. Rest in peace. September 1st. Cook has given birth early to a healthy boy. Whitechapel was the proud father on the plantation. He came to see me. Whitechapel showed me the boy swaddled in cloth presented to him by Mr. and Mrs. Whitechapel, no doubt purchased with the considerable funds held back from my pay. The child is dark and according to Whitechapel will become as dark as the lobes of his ears indicate, which is much darker than the rest of his body. Highlight the next sentence, please. He resembles my son in all but colour. We see now the first instances of Chapel's identity and race. Sanders Senior has made it clear that Chapel, 
as a child, as a baby, he's identically looking identical to, in appearance, to Sanders Jr. in everything but the colour of his skin. This is foreshadowing the struggles that Chapel will have with his identity and sense of belonging on the plantation. Maybe I imagine it. As he left, I said, call the boy Whitechapel after the man he will know as his father. It brought my logic. His smile flared up again. He is so much like us. October 5th. Mr. Whitechapel summoned me to his house. He asked why I had not seen the woman he went through such trouble to find for me. I said she was not blessed with many of God's attributes given to women. He said he had a reason for his interest in this affair because it concerned the future of the plantation. He instructed me to redouble my efforts with the woman since he could not have me on the plantation a month longer if I was not betrothed. I asked him why such urgency. He replied that Whitechapel and Cook had heard rumours from a number of the slaves about the baby. Whitechapel was distracted. Cook, despondent. His view was that the sooner I was married, the better for all. Otherwise, my unmarried state would be misconstrued as a dependence on the cook for further sexual favours. He said if I left his plantation now, it would be read as certain guilt and he could not allow that. He is acquainted with most plantation owners in the state and further afield and he would see to it that I never worked in his line of business again if I abandoned him. November 3rd. I am a married man again. Whitechapel came to the house to congratulate me and wish me God's blessing of a few girl children. I practiced his smile on him, but I could feel my lips trembling. Was he laughing at me? November 30th, the final entry of Sanders Senior's diary. My son has not taken to her. None of Caroline's clothes fit her. Thank God for small mercies. I go to bed late and in total darkness. I rise early and throw myself into work. Thank you for listening. We'll be reading chapter four in class together. Have a great day.